It's Monday the 15th of February. Welcome to our afternoon sport deep dive. I'm Tim Gilbert. Shane Lee, thankfully, unlike Fernando Alonso, your little cycling trip on the weekend finished nicely. You didn't come off. I did I did well, mate. I uh, had a nice little bike ride with the family and a uh, nice walk around the golf as well. So it's been, it's been a lovely weekend. Oh, lovely. No, nice and yeah. nice and healthy too. We've got a huge show on the way. Jaslyn Hewitt, John Thompson, all things motorsport. And it's going to be great to talk to Lizzie Wellborn shortly. Uh, she's really doing well in the Iron Woman series back at the beaches this weekend. So, Shana, let's quickly look at this Australian Open because I'm looking forward to having a chat with Lizzie Wellborn, the Iron Woman who is on the podium coming second. Uh, the Australian Open, what a yarn. You know, no crowds. But Ash Barty, tonight she's in action. She should win. So much hope around her. Yeah, go Ash. She's our only Australian hope left. Um, no Aussie men left at all in the tournament. Um, and we saw her over the weekend, you know, Nick Kurios bowing out in a, in a, in a brilliant five-setter. Also Alex Diminar. But um, yeah, go Ash. Um, she's got a fairly good, uh, well, it, it's, it seems to be not, not a seeded game tonight. So hopefully she'll she'll go through that. But look, I've been watching her play and she's playing extremely well and um, seems to be gaining momentum each match. Well, it was such a, a series out here, wasn't it, with Australia going down to India um, and this uh, series that's followed on the back of that, the one against England, has had plenty of drama as well. It has, mate. And uh, one thing, what we're finding with India, you, you can't write them off. Uh, England had a fantastic win um, in, in the first test match. Um, there were calls coming out from England saying, Australia better watch out because the Ashes are gone. England are playing that well. India have turned it around after a slow start. Uh, Coley got his... Scored a duck. Uh, Sharma scored a brilliant 161. India put on 329. Then bowled England out for 134 with um, Ravi Ashwin taking five wickets. So England now on the back foot and uh, I suppose India in the commanding position. Yeah, it's been fascinating, hasn't it? Now, Timmy, I believe you caught up with Ricky Stewart down at his um, foundation lunch last week. Yeah, going to try to do a number of these interviews through the course of the year, Shane, like more in-depth. And he was very revealing, talking about his family, talking about the foundation, talking about the Raiders. I also touched on some issues like Israel Folau. So Ricky Stewart coming up this week, one-on-one for afternoon sport. And uh, yeah, I think you'll really enjoy it. I can't wait to hear that. Here's a little taster of Ricky Stewart coming up later in the week. Uh, I've coached Israel, and he's a nice young guy. You know, he's, like all of us, we have to be um, careful making comment about all sorts of things nowadays. And for me as a bloke, I'd rather just, uh, I mean, I, I talk my mind in regards to my profession in, with football, but with the social media platforms today, with the um, comment that uh, can be can be scrutinised, you've got choices to make there. You can uh, put yourself out there. Or you can uh, take a take the low road and just keep calm. As has the Iron Man Iron Women series across the weekend at Kingscliff, the water was all over the place, but they were just happy to be back on the beach. Lizzie Wellborn from Sydney, a podium finish. Again, she's second overall in the competition, and she joins us on the line. Lizzie, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you guys? Lizzie, um, were you pleased with your performance over the weekend? Yeah, I was really happy. Um, It was quite nerve-wracking going into the event because 
we'd been waiting for so long for it to be on now. So there was like so much suspense and mm. just excitement about what was actually going to happen and how the races would pan out. Um, but I was incredibly happy with how I went. Um, I'm sitting second overall in the point score and um, managed to get two podium finishes over the weekend. So that's, that's like, I'm so stoked with those results. And it was in like the toughest conditions mm. ever. Like we had the worst conditions. So yeah, I'm very happy. And you're still very much alive to win this thing, Lizzie. Yeah, absolutely. So Lana Rogers is winning and she won the first two races and then got second in the last race. So that's a pretty dominant performance, but we are only halfway. And I definitely think that she can be beaten. Like I haven't ruled it out yet. And I'm definitely still trying to chase her and definitely get her in some of the races. Lizzie, who were your idols growing up? Um, I had a lot. I had a lot of idols going up. Um, definitely one of mine was Liz Plumer. She was an incredible athlete when I was young. And I actually, in my first series, got to race against her in one of the races before she had to pull out because she was injured. But that was an amazing experience for me because she was like the goal and still is the goal. Like there have been a couple of girls who have been as dominant as her, but she kind of set the standard and I thought she was an incredible athlete. Yeah, it was an interesting time. I actually did the commentary on, on that year's series and uh, Liz Plumers and Courtney Hancock, they they were a great rivalry, a great, great rivalry. And, and Lizzie, that, that reminds me, what were you, you were only 16, weren't you, at the time? Yeah, so when I made my first series, I was 16. Yeah, well, what was that like, um, competing at that level at that age? It was amazing. It was one of the greatest experiences of my life. Um, It was just so exciting. I was so nervous because it was such a big thing for a 16-year-old to do, but I was equally as excited. And that was actually, it was funny because there was no pressure and no expectation on me. It was actually one of the better like overall finishes I've had in the series I like slowly got used to the racing like my first race ever in the series was shocking but then I improved every single race after that because I was just learning and having fun with it um so yeah like doing it at 16 was an amazing experience that's good to hear um I also see that you're um one of your passions is coaching the nippers you enjoy doing that yeah I love coaching the next generation and that's particularly because when I first made the series, I had a lot of the older iron women take me under their wing and kind of show me how it goes. And they're still my best friends now. And I want to like do the same thing for the next generation. And the nippers like is such an important part of our sport to ensure that they keep on training to make it to the next level and like stay in the sport. Cause we do have quite a big drop off rate once they get a bit older. So one of my goals outside of the sport is to just keep girls in this sport because it is such a great sport. Yeah, well, they're lucky that they've got you, Lizzie. Thanks for coming on Afternoon Sport. It's a real treat for us to have a chat with you. And all the best for the rest of the series. Go get them. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Coming up on Afternoon Sport, well, it's been a wild old time with the tennis. No crowds now. Jaslyn Hewitt has been watching it all. She's here in just a tick. Time to talk Australian Open and there are no crowds. Uh, let's start on that point with Jaslyn Hewitt. How are you, Jazzy? Good afternoon, guys. Yeah, I'm great. 
Yeah, Jazz, uh, it's a weird old ghost town they seem to be playing in front of at the moment. Yeah, especially after all the crowd got kicked out at 11.59 the other night uh, in the middle of the match with Djokovic versus Taylor Fritz. It was getting quite exciting uh, when Djokovic ended up losing the third and fourth set against Taylor um, and then having the crowd kicked out. It surely uh, changed the momentum and experience of the match. Yeah, and look, it's weird. We don't want to get political, but it's odd, isn't it? There was they'd made the decision that day. Oh, stay in till eleven thirty, and then it's as if that time there was going to be something massively COVID happened. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Ash Barty, the only one left in the draw. Boy, she looks good, Jazz. I know there was a little bit of a wobble against Dasher the other day, but. Boy, oh boy. No, she's in strong form. And if you're looking at the draw now, she's only got Alina Svitolina in her draw, in her half, and she's the fifth seed. If you're looking at the bottom half of the draw now, that's where it's weighted heavily with with the top names. An old newcomer, Su Wei Heist from Chinese Taipei, will play Osaka now, and she's probably the uh, less known favourite out of all of them in the quarterfinals. And then we've got a great matchup with Serena versus Simona. Simona's had some really tough matches matches, but it's great to see her fight through and win her last couple of matches in tight three setters. Jazz, over the weekend, I watched Serena play Sabalenka, and I don't think I've ever witnessed a more physical female um, battle. That was some serious hard hitting in that match, wasn't there? Yeah, they're both powerhouses, and if you look at the way Serena's uh, body structure is, the way she can utilise her legs and ground, um, a few of the things that the, her coach, Patrick uh, Moritoglu from France, has been working on with her, and you can watch their Instagram pages and actually learn how she's really firing her hips and the mm. biomechanics of her shots. Um, it really pays off and it was phenomenal hitting. Ash Barty tonight, uh, an unseated American. Look, you don't want to say that you'll just cruise through, but she will, won't she? Oh, I'd, l- I'd like to see. The, the Americans do have a couple of good juniors coming through. Uh, these players are about in their early early 20s and they've got three still left uh, on her side of the draw. But, no, the way that uh, Ash has been playing has been very convincing and, and she's just been able to dictate. I think the pressure playing against Asha uh, probably came to her a little bit uh, the other night, but uh, I'd like to think that she's got an easier match today going through. Jazz, uh, no Aussie men left. Um, would we be disappointed with this campaign? I think I think overall with our, our Aussies lead up, if you're looking at a Kokonakis and a Kyrgios and their five sets lost uh, to the likes of Titipas and team, uh, Kyrgios has taken everything out of Dominic and he couldn't actually uh, perform as well as he usually does against Dimitriov. So, um, yes, it is disappointing. I thought Alex probably would have gone a little bit deeper just given that he's had a more of a normal gear uh, for a tennis player uh, being based out of Alicante and in Spain. Kokonakis coming back from all his injuries, I think we're very happy with where he he landed and how he's playing. And Kyrgios, I think the the change in attitude that he's had over the last 18 years months has held him in good stead yeah well he just he went so hard against Dominic Team, and then we saw Dominic Team in his next match just sort of bow out meekly to to Dimitrov uh, and I think that that must have been from everything that was taken out of him uh, against Kyrgios so let's watch this space with Nick he's not fully fit he's had the year off so uh, yeah I think if he'd actually played uh, the Italian Fabio Fognini, he probably would have won. But he was all over Alex Dimonor, and, and I love Alex, but he, he just didn't look like he'd arrived at the court that day. 
No, I just didn't have the firepower to hurt uh, Fabio Fognini. So this is where a Kyrgios um, or a Kokonakis, they've got that flair. They've got that uh, fast hand. I mean, Alex's fast feet really help him around the court and his speed, except you've got to have that firepower. And that's that's something special that you could always see uh, with Nick's game. Yeah, Fogginani hit some great ground strikes, didn't he, from behind the baseline, and um, he just really blew Dimon off the court. Yes, he did. He was he's extremely strong out there, and and the uh, the Italians have a couple of great uh, male players coming through them. The women's side, not so much. We're seeing that more with the Americans uh, that they've got the strong strong juniors pushing through, but the uh, Italians definitely have that male contingent. Yeah, he's 33 years of age and look, he just looks like he's the most relaxed guy, apart from that blow up he had with his compatriot the other day, which was all over the shop. That that that, that made me laugh. I don't know what they were talking about. My Italian's not that strong. I only did it in year seven and year eight. But but just last point on Demonor, he, he's the type of player that can't go around making as many unforced errors as he did and win and that that's that just happened like he's just got to, everything's just got to work for him when he's when he's up against you know seeded players like he he was yeah i he reminds me a lot like Leighton. so when they're out on the court they they are mongrels out there they've got to they've got to fight hard for every point and it does take a lot of toll on their bodies so it's um no you his style of play, he just cannot give away that many uh, unforced errors. So, Jazz, the week ahead, the big week this week, uh, what, what are your thoughts and predictions for this week? Um, it'll definitely be interesting the way that Novak Djokovic pulls up. He's got an injury uh, in his ab, but he was able to overcome uh, Ranich last night. So really depends on how his ab strain comes up. Um Nadal, I mean, he has had a, a little bit of a confrontation with the crowd uh, last week. I, um, I've never seen anyone actually have a go at uh, Rafael Nadal. <laughs> she was a, she was an idiot, an absolute bona fide gold plated fool. Oh, but it was fantastic. His uh, uh, the way he actually handled the situation, um, just to kind of laugh it off. And then in the press conference, just being confused, oh, she was actually talking to me. Well, she's had a few many, two gins or too many tequilas out there. So <laughs> it was it was great to see the way that he's a he's a true champion in the way that he handles that. So I, I really see uh, Nadal going quite deep. I think uh, Djokovic was getting frustrated last night. He was actually having issues with where the uh, photographers were sitting, telling the umpire that they're not supposed to sit in this section. So um, I think probably taking it out the way he's feeling and, and maybe the ab is, is really going to hurt him. Um, but, yeah, on the women's side of things, Ash, Ash is looking fantastic. Um, I mean, the biggest matchup now we've got is Serena uh, versus Simona, and that, that's mm. going to be an extraordinary match. Yep. And and depending on how much they take it out of each other, if it goes a, a deep three-setter, if it lasts three hours, it'll be interesting to see who backs it up. I can't wait finally to see the documentary on this Australian Open from from the the, the you know the, from the blow ups in quarantine to mm. no crowds to to this to that to the Italians fighting to the woman yelling it's it really has been quite <laughs> extraordinary editorially and look I think that we we're just happy Jazz that we're going to get it finished crowd or no crowd exactly so hopefully for the semi finals if Melbourne release their lockdown there'll be some crowds I think that's really going to be make a difference for the players and they'll, they'll enjoy having having them back. Oh, good on you, Jazz. Well, once again, always some great information there and uh, we look forward to chatting later in the week and hopefully with Ash Barty still as part of the makeup.
Definitely. We wish her all the best. Thanks, Jazz. Coming up on Afternoon Sport, he knows everything about motor cars. And I mean everything. His name's John Thompson. Stump to Stump is Australia's newest and most interactive cricket platform for all cricket fans, players and clubs to share stories, match results, memories and experiences. Stumptostump.com As a professional sports person, I knew the value of a good coach. And being a business owner is no different. With the Business Coach from Growth Workshop, you can build the business you've always dreamed of. A valuable business that runs by itself. If you need to take control of your future with a winning strategy, Growth Workshop specialises in improving your cash flow, developing sales and marketing strategies to drive revenue, and getting those ideas out of your head into an action plan. Growth Workshop will help you develop a business plan and achieve your financial goals with regular guidance from our experienced team. Whether you want to drive revenue with a new marketing strategy or put the right team and systems in place, we'll help you free up from the day-to-day and allow you to grow your business. We can help. Get in touch with Growth Workshop Business Coaching at growthworkshop.com.au to book in for your no-obligation strategy session. Growth Workshop, turning your good idea and hard work into a valuable asset. Time to talk motorsport on Afternoon Sport, and our man is John Thompson. Tomo, how are you? Oh, g'day, guys. How are you going? I'm very well. Tomo, let's start off with Lewis Hamilton, mate. A little bit happening there. Yeah, well, it took him a long time to uh, sign on the dotted line with Mercedes-Benz, where he's had all his success for the last uh, seven years. And, uh, yeah, it was had everyone on tenderhooks, and it was the biggest talking point over Christmas. When they announced it, he's only signed for one year. I mean, he's getting towards the end of his career, and I think he's probably doing that to see if he needs to reassess at the end of uh, 2021. Of course, there's some changes coming next year with uh, some technical changes. There's also now an engine freeze uh, for 2022, which means that they won't be able to do any development on the engines, and that may allow other teams to catch up with the Mercedes-Benz uh, monolith, this this behemoth of uh, Formula One that's actually dominated so long. So, yeah, um, he has re-signed. Valtteri Bottas is alongside him. And Mercedes is only one of three teams in the Formula One lineup not to have changed their driver lineup uh, for 2021. The other teams have all either changed all their drivers or one of them uh, shuffling the decks quite considerably. Now, there's two schools of thought on this, isn't there, with Lewis Hamilton? Uh, one saying that, uh, you know, what, what you mentioned earlier, that he, he could be considering um, leaving the world of Formula One. The other is that he's hedging his bets to see what happens with other organisations like Ferrari. And, and does he say, boom, I've had my time at Mercedes. They've come back to the field. Let's go over there and see if we can win a, uh, a Grand Prix um, year with another mob. Yeah, that's right. I mean... If he wins this year, wins the championship again this year, that'll give him eight world championships, which means he's exceeded Michael Schumacher's record. Mm. It'll still be a real task for anyone to uh, to break that. I mean, it's been a confluence of events that have meant that uh, Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes have dominated so significantly. And remember, he only missed out on winning uh, the 2016 championship to his teammate, Nico Rosberg, by a handful of points. So he's getting towards the end of his career. He's 36 years of age. You know, that's getting fairly old in Formula One terms these days with all these youngsters coming up through the ranks. Mercedes-Benz have a very good fill-in for him in George Russell, who proved himself considerably uh, during the season when uh, Lewis Hamilton had COVID uh, virus at one stage and had to miss, uh, miss a race. 
So, um, you know, they've got plenty of options on the table. The other person that's uh, looming as a potential Mercedes-Benz driver is Max Verstappen. Toto Wolff, the boss of Mercedes-Benz Formula One, has said that he'd like to have Max Verstappen in his driver lineup. And, of course, Max Verstappen's going to have some extra pressure this year with Sergio Perez, the um, tearaway Mexican driver who uh, has joined the team uh, and uh, looks like he could be a, a real threat to uh, Max Verstappen in the Red Bull team. Hey, John, are you across this latest Daniel Ricciardo article? Yeah, with the nine papers uh, on Friday, I think it was, uh, it was published, or Saturday morning, I should say. Um, and he says that this is his best chance yet to win the championship, not his only chance. He said that he's still got a fair few years left in him uh, as a Formula One driver. And um, he danced around with Mercedes, with McLaren, I should say, for a year or so. He almost went there instead of going to Renault at the start of the 2019 season, but opted to go with the big pile of money that Renault was offering him. Um, That obviously proved financially rewarding, but not very rewarding in terms of points. But he did, as we saw last year, drag Renault up into uh, a place where it was a contender for podium positions. McLaren, of course, he's very pleased the fact that they're getting Mercedes-Benz engines this year, which means they're going to have the same power plant as Lewis Hamilton. Whether they can get the chassis together is another question altogether. They're not getting the absolute uh, pinnacle of race development. Um, Although, having said that, over the weekend, the head of Mercedes-Benz engine program for Formula One said that they have had some issues uh, in the pre-season. They've obviously now got four teams to supply, including themselves. So that's going to put extra pressure on Mercedes-Benz. But having said that, I think the pressure that Mercedes-Benz um, talks about is is minuscule by comparison to the other teams, given the track record they've had over the last seven years. Now, we saw famously Michael Schumacher have that skiing accident, and it's, it's all been very much a mystery to his condition since. And no one's saying that this Fernando Alonso bike accident is anything quite as grave as what happened to Michael Schumacher. But it's an odd one this one isn't it uh, falling off the Malvern star he was conscious um yeah when you earn that much money driving a car well a lot of them are keen cyclists Tim um you know they do a lot of training on bikes because it's great for their cardiovascular fitness and uh they a lot of them live in Monaco so there's plenty of hills to uh to give that a fair old test I believe Fernando Alonso's accident happened in Switzerland um but you would imagine that anyone if you break your upper jaw in a bike accident that's going to be um, a pretty difficult thing to uh, to recover from. Mm. Um, they are saying he's going to be back training again at the end of uh, end of this week or early next week. So that's um, that's an amazing recovery if that that's possible. The other factor about um, Fernando Alonso is he's knocking on the door of thirty eight. Uh, he's been out of Formula One for two years. It'll be interesting to see how he goes at Renault. Um, they've got some interesting options too, one of them being young Australian um, Oscar Piastri, who won the European Formula 3 championship last year and moves into Formula 2 into the seat that's been vacated by Mick Schumacher. He won the Formula 2 championship with the Premier team last year and he, of course, has uh, moved into the Haas team for 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, so... 
it'll be interesting to see if he if Fernando Alonso recovers, if he's able to uh, make an impact at Renault, uh, where of course he won his two titles back in the early two thousands. Hey John, another um, supercar season is looming. Yeah, an interesting season indeed, Shane. Uh, with the season starting in Bathurst, not in Adelaide, as it does, has done for the last decade, uh, with the Bathurst five hundred, two two hundred and fifty kilometre races, one on Saturday, one on Sunday, um, and normally, obviously, we look to Bathurst for the Bathurst one thousand in October, uh, but. This year around, we're, we're going to Bathurst because it's uh, in New South Wales where we've got low COVID numbers and they're able to have a crowd. Um, and um, obviously, that was a, a fairly good uh, uh, choice given the uh, the COVID lockdowns in the last week or so in Victoria. So, yeah, we'll be um, a lot of the teams are, are shaking up. Uh, obviously, we've got um, uh, the last year of Holden Commodores um, alongside the Ford Mustangs. Next year, we'll most likely have Camaros from most of the supercar teams. Um, but I think you'll see Red Bull uh, really putting down their foot in terms of dominance in supercars this year, given that uh, Roger Penske's moved out of the DJR team and Scott McLaughlin has also gone overseas to race IndyCars. So um, it'll be really fascinating to see how that pans out. Yeah, it's it's sad, isn't it, to see um, the end of, of the Holden Commodore, of course, uh, such a history. Peter Brock, obviously, at the top of the pile. And I know that lots and lots of people uh, are just absolutely desperate to get tracks. So we've got a couple of motor rev heads up around us and a couple of the cricket dads are taking their kids to, to Bathurst because they can't wait for it. But, you know, football, meat pies, kangaroos and Holden cars, eh? that's history. Thank you so much, Tomo. Good on you, guys. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. We'll be with you Monday to Friday every week. Hit subscribe on your podcast app so you don't miss it. A big thank you today, John Thompson, Jaslyn Hewitt and Lizzie Wellborn. And thank you to our wonderful sponsor, Shano. SpartanSportsHQ.com And there's nothing about podcasts this guy doesn't know. His name is Dan McHugh. He's our producer and we thank him. See you tomorrow. See you then, guys.